Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Say what I say. Got any advice on the best way west? Yeah, go east. You've come this far, and you know what's out there. You're not gonna scare us. Scared him? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I'm David Chen, and today we have a very special announcement. Uh, I am pleased to announce that uh, Decoding TV will be covering The Last of Us, which is going to be premiering on HBO in January, specifically January 15th. I am also really pleased to announce who my co-host for The Last of Us coverage will be. He is a writer and podcaster who is the host of shows such as DLC and the official Last of Us podcast. Christian Spicer, welcome to Decoding TV. It is my pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I am very excited to be talking The Last of Us with you. The Last of Us on HBO with you. <laughs> yes. And HBO Max. I think the the marketing has been very like, this is an HBO Max. It's going to be streaming on HBO Max. They're, I believe it will be airing on HBO, but they are really leaning heavily into, please subscribe to HBO Max uh, in the marketing, I think. Um, yes. Uh, in the posters and such like that. But uh, Christian, I'm, I'm very self-conscious introducing you because I listen to Jeff Kanata on DLC introduce you every week. And it's usually very, uh, I'll just say a little bit more bombastic than than my introductions. Um, who, who's, so, who's Jeff Kanata? I don't know who a, that is. It's a, good, it's a good question. You know, I mean, it, it is important to know Christian Spicer usually podcasts with Jeff Kanata. And people might be wondering, like, why is david chen podcasting with christian spicer about uh the last of us and not jeff Kanata. that's why it's so important folks that you do not tell jeff Kanata about this podcast existence um so please keep it a secret from jeff like we wouldn't want him to find out it's going to be super awkward uh if he does so thanks for your support and all that you can find more <laughs> episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com email us at decodingtv at gmail.com uh, and find us on TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at Decoding TV. Christian Spicer, it's mid uh, mid December as we're recording this, so about a month away from the premiere of The Last of Us. Uh, and we are going to use this episode to talk about uh, the top five questions we have about The Last of Us HBO series. There, there has been a few marketing materials released for The Last of Us so far. Uh, a teaser trailer, a full trailer, and a bunch of character posters. That's what we know. But we are going to try to avoid any spoilers for the show. We are going to approach this podcast from the perspective of a show watcher, which is how we do all the other podcasts on Decoding TV. I do want to acknowledge that I have played both both Last of Us games. And so I actually know the full story as told in the games. 
Um, Christy Spicer, it might surprise you. <laughs> it may not surprise you, has also played both games. But we're going to err on the side of not revealing any plot details. Uh, even some of the stuff that's been revealed in the trailers, we're going to try to like stay away from because we want the listener and the audience to be able to like discover these details on their own. Uh, we may occasionally slip up, but like our goal is to make this super safe um, for for podcast listeners who are just watching the show have never played the video game. So uh, that is kind of our approach. And today on the podcast, like I said, we're going to talk about the top five questions we have about The Last of Us. Now, so, some basics about The Last of Us, right? Uh, that that we're going to talk about. Okay, so The Last of Us is a series of video games that was originally on PlayStation 3 uh, and then also became adapted for PlayStation 4 and then The Last of Us sequel came out on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 and then The Last of Us Part 1 was eventually adapted for PlayStation 5 as well. So like, there's like five versions, I think, of these two games across these two consoles. Or three consoles, actually. Yeah, It has now been adapted into a series for HBO by Craig Mazin, the person who uh, was the mastermind behind the Chernobyl limited series. Uh, and The Last of Us essentially takes place in a post-apocalyptic U- United States, uh, and it covers a journey between two characters, Joel and Ellie. Um, in the show, they're played by uh, Pedro Pascal plays Joel and... Um, Bella Ramsey. Bella Ramsey, that's right. So uh, it, it, The Last of Us is primarily about a journey that the two of them take. Uh, that is an extremely vague plot description, uh, but I think it covers kind of the basics. And it is a video game series that has resonated greatly with millions of people, including Christian and myself. Last of Us Part 1 is probably one of my top three video games of all time. Um, maybe even number one. It's really, really up there. So Christian, before we dive into kind of what we're looking for from this TV show, maybe let's talk briefly about like why this video game series holds such a special place in our heart i mean christian you are the host of the official last of us podcast uh yes i know you're a craven mercenary and you'll do anything for money but i have a feeling you also have some affection for the games as well uh what about the series of games resonates so much with you yeah that's a great question and and for folks who don't know the official the last of us podcast is about the games so it's not about the tv show it's a deep dive about those video games um made in uh with Naughty Dog and, and the folks who made them. Um, and I, I think for me, what really connected uh, is the the incredible storytelling and the characters brought to life in a video game medium. And the fact that, you know, you're engaged in that story with agency as the player and you're interacting with it. And it's something that um, I'm trying, without any spoilers, it's just emotional and compelling in a way that um, a great fiction is, in my opinion. And, and that combined with being the, the agent, the player in it, made it really connect with me, um, especially at the time of life in which I, I, I sat down to play it for the first time, which can't be, uh, <laughs> you know, you can't predict and you can't replicate. But I think for a lot of people, growing up with video games, it came out in a time of their life where it maybe meant something more to them than if it was the first video game they ever played, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's important to explain that the last of us is a video game that features state of the art graphics and also 
top tier voice acting and storytelling, right? Um, very cinematic uh, storytelling. There's parts of the game that you play. There's parts of the game that take place in cutscenes, um, and both the parts that you play and the cutscenes often feel very cinematic. They're they're done as though they are like an action set piece. Uh, the the framing is often very deliberate. Um, the settings are often cons- the production design of the settings are often very deliberately constructed. So like um, the Last of Us. Both part, parts one and two take a lot of cues from movies and then lately TV shows. And now it's going to go full, full circle where The Last of Us video game is now going to be the inspiration for a TV show. Uh, and many people might ask, like, what is the point of that? What's why? Why would you? We The, the video game already exists. It's already cinematic. Um, and you guys actually talked about this well on, on the DLC podcast, Christian, uh, which I listen to fairly regularly which is that there are just people out there that will not play a video game version of The Last of Us and they will watch a TV series version of it. And this show, I think, is meant to reach those people. You know, my my wife is never going to sit and watch me play 15 hours of The Last of Us Part 1. Um, that's just not a thing that's ever going to happen. She might watch the show with me, though, you know? Uh, and I, I'm really grateful that more people are going to be, uh, be able to access this story. So uh, anyway. So those are some overall thoughts on, on the games. And Christian and I are trying to be really vague because we don't want to spoil anything. And and that will become less important as the season goes on. Uh, and it'll be kind of fun to talk about some of the revelations in the story uh, as we get to them. And so let's talk. Top five, yeah. well, just, sorry, real quick. These top five questions are also, just to reinforce it, are top five questions that don't involve any spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's yes. tons of questions I have about the show and this, that, and the other, but it would, it would, it would spoil it based on knowledge from the video game. So these are five questions that are completely spoiler free that we have about yeah. the HBO, the last of us TV show. So uh, question one, we used to live in a world where movies and TV shows were adapted to video games, typically pretty bad video games, but now it seems mostly the other way around. Will we see video games based off of movies again anytime soon is the question. And let's talk a little bit about, Movies and TV shows being adapted to video games because I, I think pe- many people might not remember. Yeah, there there was a time when a lot of movies and TV shows got adapted to video games, and most of these were very very bad. So I'm going to just throw out a couple off the top of my off the dome that are really rough. The Sopranos video game. If you Google <laughs> the Sopranos video game on YouTube, like you'll find gameplay. Like what's funny about these video games is like they don't seem to have any sense of what the movies or TV shows themselves were about. Do you know? Um, the Sopranos is kind of this beat-em-up, like, mob, you know, Grand Theft Auto-style game. And it's like, that's not... that's If anything, The Sopranos is kind of like... Anti, it had certain pleasures around that, but like it's like anti, you know, Goodfellas in some ways, right? Uh, Fight Club, the video game, was about... Like, it was a fighting game. You know, and it's like, it's like that game that the, the, you know, it's it's making fighting look cool. And it's like, um, I don't know that that's, that honors the spirit of what Fight Club was about. And so these video games were often just like completely like cash grab, uh, off of the IP. Oh, I recognize Fight Club, the movie. Let me buy the video game based off of it thing. You know, Christian, what are your memories or thoughts on the history of video games based off of TV show and films? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think we lived in that world where TV and film was the gold standard and video games were trying to climb up the ladder of entertainment and be like, we also are that. And what better yeah. way to do that than by having a game based on that other thing? I remember Batman 89 back on the NES. And while yeah. I love oh, that I played game, that. I played that game. Yeah, fun game. But it Great was game, I mean, yeah. it's, to say it's based on the movie, like the box arts, the movie, there's like one cut scene where the Batmobile, you know, right. uh, opens up the door to the chemical plant using its guns and drives through a cut scene is, is overstating it. <laughs> and then the game you're platforming, you know, it'd, it'd be imagine if you had 90 minutes of Michael Keaton running and jumping from platform to platform <laughs> uh, and then 10 minutes climbing up a chain, you know, but yeah. <laughs> it's this idea of now you get to play the movie or, a more recent one, I think it was PlayStation 2, was um, 24, the game, mm-hmm. based on the Kiefer Sutherland Fox TV show. And, like, it, it it did a lot of interesting things, and it tried to have, you know, that the tone of the, the TV show, I think, more so than Sopranos, where you were doing things that characters do in that game. But it also was just not as good as other games in that genre that are just video games meant to be video games and so it's this weird world of take home the experience you watched on tv or play as your favorite character but it's not very good yeah yeah and they felt rushed to be you know coincide with the launch of a movie i think it was iron man or captain america when those first early early mcu movies came out we had i think it was xbox 360 games for them and it's just oh here's a superhero game that's not as good as the batman arkham games because it had to come out day and date with this movie that's coming out and what a difficult way to make something and i think it's fascinating now to see it kind of going the other way where we're getting these we're not getting sonic the game based on the movie we're getting the movie based on the game and that that pipeline is is churning the other way now it it blows me away yeah uh, here's here's my you know David Chen's pet theory on how this all is playing out is I think we are seeing convergence in the sense that I think we're seeing video games get better at honoring the spirit of the the properties that inspire them right like Spider Man not based on any specific movie but based off the property and really captures what it the spirit of what it's like to be Spider Man you know is a great video game. Um, and we're seeing TV shows and movies like do a better job of honoring the spirit of of the video games that they're based off of. So recently we've seen Uncharted, Mortal Kombat, Sonic the Hedgehogs 1 and 2. Like in my opinion, you know, you you don't need to love those movies, but like I, I think they do a relatively good job of like capturing what people love about those video games, you know? Um maybe Uncharted would be, be, be the exception. But you know, like I think um uh, there's probably a whole generation of people that has grown up playing video games like Fight Club, the video game, you know, and watching uh, movies like the original Super Mario Brothers and are like, guys, like, <laughs> let's not do that again. Like, let's let's do it in a way that actually honors the spirit of these things. And uh, and so I feel like video games based off of movies are getting better. Uh, and movies based off of video games are getting better. And they're both like having they're both learning about each other and having more respect for each other as time like that's the arc of history bends towards video games based off movies and movies based off video games getting better that's that's my take on obama's speech 
Um, so, uh, so that's that's kind of my 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 thoughts on that. Is is um, is I I have been pleased by the quality of these things overall. Um, so here's a question, Christian. Question two: What does it say about the state of video game stories that The Last of Us is on HBO versus any other channel or streaming service? Uh, for me, yeah. I, I would say uh, HBO, you know, is currently, as we're recording this, undergoing massive upheaval in its leadership. But the old regime that was there that probably greenlit The Last of Us uh, was one that cared deeply about quality. And HBO is not going to make as many shows or, or movies as Netflix, but they might make a couple dozen shows, you know, each year. And among them is going to be a Game of Thrones uh, or House of the Dragon or Euphoria. Uh, or the White Lotus, you know? Um, and so they really are trying to, at this point, as we're recording this, emphasize quality uh, and impact and memorableness and cultural relevance. Uh, and uh, and I think that's going to continue for the show. I'm, I'm betting that it's going to continue for the show, hence why we're doing a podcast together about it on Decoding TV. Um, but Christian, thoughts on Last of Us being on HBO versus uh, being a movie or a streaming service or any other channel? I think it might speak to perhaps my age <laughs> or how long I've been consuming media, but I do think there is weight to HBO. And also, as you mentioned, Dave, they have been putting the HBO Max banner on a lot of the yeah. ads for the show, but it is it is HBO, HBO also. This is something that is, you know, people can get on cable and watch the way they would watch these other big HBO shows. It's not Titans. It's not a Max original. It's not mm-hmm. only available on streaming. And I think there is weight to that, that this is, or they're positioning it as, as prestige, as prestige TV can be. There's a lot of great stuff on Netflix, a lot of great video game adaptation stuff on Netflix. The cyberpunk edge runners anime. Arcane is um, great. Ar- Arcane, um, The Witcher, which is more based on the book than the video game. But they're clearly making a a push into that space as well on Netflix and maybe it's just that so much stuff c- comes out on Netflix. I feel like it just would seem like, oh, Netflix is doing another one. You know, like, oh, they're doing another video game adaptation. Or, oh, Amazon has a show. <laughs> it's like, okay. There's like Rings of Power is their big one. And then it's everything else kind of gets buried. And I, I truly think that this being on HBO next to, as you mentioned, Game of Thrones or the legacy of The Wire, The Sopranos, and shows of that ilk that this is positioned now as the next big thing and coming from, you know, the team behind Chernobyl and the team responsible for the game. It feels like a flag in the sand that this is important. This is big and it's not just a video game adaptation. This is prestige TV. Yeah. Agreed. It, it's going to be an event, I think. It's going to be a big deal. But it is interesting to me that it's premiering in January. I don't think of that many big shows as premiering in January. Um, Station Eleven last year, I think, aired in December. That was a great show, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I do think it will be really buzzed about. And I'm really curious how people are going to react to it. Question three, Christian. Generally, when it comes to adaptations, do you prefer them to stick as close as possible to the source material and keep only the general theme or stick close or add a, uh, but add a lot of new stuff or some other approach? Uh, what, do, what do you think? What do you think, Christian? How, how should people approach adaptations when it comes to video games? Um, that's a great question. And I, and I feel like 
for something where the story is the driving thrust behind it and something that connected with a lot of people, I I would want it to stick pretty close to the source material. In terms of other aspects, I think, you know, I want them to find the essence of the thing. Like it doesn't need to like there's a Doom movie. And at one point it goes into first person view and it's like, get it? Because it's that's how you play the game. Now you're first. This is like, I don't need that. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't need I don't need the TV show to start with a start screen. (laughs) You know, I don't Mm -hmm. need HBO to be like, press any button to continue. I don't need you know, I don't need that. But I want I want that story there because that's what I'm I'm coming to this show for. Unless it would be titled, you know, The Last of Us other journeys or something to clue me in that this uh-huh, is uh, uh-huh. like Andor isn't called star Wars, a new hope. And then it's like, wait, that's not a new hope. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I think when they're naming it, the thing I want it to follow that story, but then also feel free to take liberties with um, casting or how a character looks like. I don't need it to be, well, in the video game, that character had, uh, you know, shaggy red hair and the actor doesn't unfaithful. Like I don't, I don't need that. I want the actor that can bring the essence of the character to the screen. But I'm curious how you feel about it because you certainly, you know, watch a lot more things that have been adapted from other source material. And I'm curious if it ever rubs you the wrong way. It definitely rubs you the wrong way. I mean, I think that from my feelings, from from what I can sense, which I do, like is poorly sourced, and so don't take take my word for it, is a lot of times when these adaptations run aground is when there is creative conflict between the people licensing the video game and the people who are trying to make the thing. So like, you know, it's gotta be a certain way uh, or, or like people being too precious with the source material, I think is really where the problems come from. If you look at how movies and TV shows are made, it's an extremely collaborative process. Um, so I'll just give an example. Like if you watch like directors work with actors on set, you know, an actor spends their entire time as the character of blank, right? As the character of whoever they are. And they'll be like, you know, they'll say like, you know, I don't think it makes sense for the character to do this at this point. Right. Like, I don't think it makes sense for so-and-so to, to do this at this point because he wouldn't want to do this. Like, and because this actor is like spending their time in that person's skin. They, they feel like they have some knowledge of what that character might want. And they'll talk to the director and say, hey, director, like, do you think like maybe, and then the director will consider it. And the, the director will often be like, yeah, let's change that. Or the, the actor will ad lib something and then it makes it into the final film, right? Like that stuff happens all the time when you're making a TV show or movie. And that process I just described is basically directly opposed in some ways to how video games are made, right? Like, <laughs> like, uh, yes, it's possible that like, actually, you know, that's, um, that's a little bit unfair. I think in the case of the last of us, I did watch a lot of making of stuff. I listened to your podcast. Like there are times when like the actor is like, Hey, I think Joel should behave like this and so on. Right. Like, um, but I, I do think like when what I mean by that is it is directly post the idea of video game adaptation where it's like, OK, this is the part of the story where Joel says to Ellie bl- blank. And it's like we got it from the video game. And it's like, well, what if now that we've made four hours of the show, what if like it's going in a different direction than what the video game would be like at this point? Right. And I think that 
the most important thing should be to tell a satisfying story given the set of resources and actors and sets and, and so and so that you have and not let's stick to the video game no matter what. Um, and I think if you stick to the video game no matter what, like you end up in trouble. Uh, better to capture the essence of the video game um, and but but start with how can we tell an effective, thrilling story for the medium that we're in. I am really curious what deviations they're going to take, you know, in this story, because the thing about the last of us is it is so cinematic as we've already described that you could not take any deviations at all. Basically you could like, you could like shorten some uh, condensed time basically. But like, other than that, you could tell the story exactly as it takes place in the video game. And it would be pretty satisfying. Um, but I don't think they're going to do that. <laughs> like, I think they're going to make some changes. So I'm like, why, why are they going to make changes? And that's what I'm really excited to talk with you about Christian is like, you know, when we get to those points in the, the show, it, it'll be like, Oh wow. They, they dramatically changed this character's arc. Like, why did they do that? Like, um, you know, the active adaptation can be so interesting. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to discussing, but I'm of the, of the opinion, like, Hey, Take the inspiration and then go and do your own thing. Because if you try to adhere too much, it's it's like in conflict with the, um, as David Fincher calls it, the wet art of making a TV show or film. It's like, it's a wet art, meaning it's messy. There's like different paths you go down that you didn't think you, you were going to go down originally. And, and adaptation can often conflict with that, especially adaptation of a video game where people have extremely strong opinions about how the story should go. So, um, yeah. Go ahead. And I, I think adaptation is, is a good word because I think people get lost, lose the the definition of what an adaptation is. It's not a frame by frame retelling. It's not psycho again, but with one longer shower scene. You know, it is taking it and changing it and putting your spin on it, but hopefully, you know, having it connect to that original work um, in a way that's meaningful and I think oftentimes adapt uh, changes are required based on the medium. You know, while the story of the video game would be compelling if kind of done shot for shot, it wouldn't be the best way to tell that story because it'd either yeah. be, as you mentioned, too long in some instances or too short in other instances or some of the best dialogue you get in the game is while you're doing something else. And, you, and it would be disorienting for vast portions of the game to take place in third person perspective. Like what's going on with that? You know, like that would be weird. So, so yeah, yeah, you have to play to the strengths of the medium in which you're, you're creating to have that, hopefully that same emotional connection of what the story is and what the themes are. And, and you can find that a different way in film or book or comics or, or video games. Indeed. Question number four, Christian. This is another serious show for Craig Mazin. Craig Mazin, previously pretty well known for his comedy work, right? Um, he was a uh, one of the screenwriters of uh, Hangover movies and scary movies and um, and so on. And uh, Chernobyl, I, if I recall correctly, was kind of one of his first really big serious movies or shows. And I think you and I have both seen Chernobyl. We both thought it was excellent. It is not only like a really well done, like a well told story, but like one that has thematic weight that's relevant for us here today uh, or anywhere where there's uh, a government that is teetering on authoritarianism, you know, like uh, and and there's just like a lot of great thematic material in, in Chernobyl. Uh, and so to see him tackle another quote unquote serious uh, show after Chernobyl, uh, I feel like he's already flexed some of his muscles and and uh, he's going into this really well positioned. 
Um, but yeah, do you have any thoughts on Craig Mason's TV and film legacy at this point? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm curious to see if The Last of Us, if he leans into a lighter tone at all, or what those lighter moments might or might not be, or if there are any. I mean, because again, he is a person with a long-standing comedy pedigree and you know perhaps that we're continuing to witness his tom hanks you know transition where it's just a tom hanks as an actor coming up as a comedic actor even michael keaton you know as a stand-up comedian and then mm-hmm. takes on these more dramatic roles over time and you totally forget the person who they were before and this is what they've always wanted to make or this is what it yeah. is um and it, it i think for a lot of people craig mazin is is that are going to come into the show is just the person behind Chernobyl. And I think it's interesting to look at his uh, filmography as a whole and wonder what he might be able to bring to this adaptation and why, you know, Neil Druckmann and the folks at Naughty Dog were so in HBO were so excited to work with him on this. If it, is it just, is this going to be, is the last of us going to be the start of a trend or is it going to kind of reflect that Chernobyl was maybe a flash in the pan? for him Mm -hmm. and can he recapture that kind of success with a a meaty weighty story well i would argue it would continue a trend that he started with chernobyl right like perhaps right um but i'm i'm really excited and i I think like the the craig mason story is a good reminder to all of us that uh people aren't just one thing you know like you think oh that's the comedy writer craig mason but it's like oh he's actually capable of much more than that um uh, you know, Christian Spicer. Oh, that's uh, Jeff Kanata's co-host. Well, he's actually capable of co-hosting podcasts with other people that aren't Jeff Kanata. Okay. Oh, he's the guy um, that does the last of us podcast. Well, he's also capable of talking about the last of us TV show. Like you can do a yeah, lot of things. Yeah, so yeah. much, so much. All right. Like just, just remember like people aren't just one thing. That's, that's the Craig Mason story for me. Right? Um, I think what I'm curious about in terms of what Craig Mason might be, might bring to this is like with Chernobyl, Chernobyl was about bureaucracy. It was about uh, the truth. And it was about how like governments and bureaucracy can obscure the truth and, and the damage and the cost that's extracted when that happens. And it was, it, like I said, it's very thematically rich. And I'm curious, like the last of us, the games has its own themes already. Is Craig Mazin going to bring stuff to it that is distinct or different than the themes that are already in the video game, right? Like, is it going to be more about America today than the video games were? The video games you could read as a as a story about America in many ways. Um, but is it going to be more that? Is it going to be something else completely? You know, is it going to have more, even more to say about humanity than the video games did? I'm very curious. So, uh, and I think Craig Mason has showed that he's capable of bringing that kind of depth to to anything he's working on. So we'll see. We'll see. Finally, Christian Spicer. Uh, the Last of Us is a video game with a very well-regarded story. But to what extent is being able to control the main character important to the story the game was telling? And what challenges do you think video games typically face when being adapted that perhaps books, comics, and, and true stories do not face? Player agency is a big one for me. I talk about this on on DLC a lot with horror games, where... Part of the reason why I love video games so much is that you are an active participant in that story. And so if I'm watching uh, Smile or Bodies, Bodies, Bodies or, you know, any of the fun horror movies that came out this year, I'm sitting there in the theater on my couch kind of like, don't don't open the door, don't open the door. And then they do. And, you know, death ensues. 
when I'm playing Resident Evil, it's don't open the door, don't open the door. Then the game stops. <laughs> you know, like I have to, I have to be the one to open mm-hmm. the door. I have mm-hmm. to invite the jump scare to happen uh, in a way that in movies or, or even books you don't. You just kind of just keep reading, and then the thing happens to you, and you you watch it, and you consume yeah. it. And I think for The Last of Us as well, um, you know, you are a participant in that story. So whether you do certain actions or just the amount of time you spend as someone, I think as a player, even in a game like The Last of Us, where it's not a role-playing game, you don't create a character. It's not like I start the game and I design my character and design my clothes like you do in some games. You are playing as a character. But by playing as that character, at least I found myself putting myself into that character's shoes and identifying with them uh, on a personal level because I am that person in this game now and uh, I'm spending so much time with them. So the actions and inactions that the character does or doesn't do are actions that I do or that I don't do. And in a TV show, that's not the case. And so I'm curious if characters will be as um, hated or loved or sympathetic Mm -hmm. Uh, as they are when you are in control or not. And I, I think that's a big part of why the characters in the game connected with me is because I was living with them in a way that I don't know if I will be in the show. Well, I, I think you make a great point that there is some power in you as the player physically pressing a button and causing an action on screen that that power does not exist in the TV show, right? But I would argue that that power is lessened to a great degree for video games like The Last of Us, which Hmm. are pretty linear. And what I mean by that is, I I would compare it to a game versus, um, uh, let's say, Grand Theft Auto. Okay, So Grand Theft Auto, I'm one of the players, I can literally do one of a thousand actions. I can go... I can go work out. I can go on a date. I can do a bank heist. You know, I can... Literally, I can choose whatever I want to do in that game. Um... Last of Us is not like that. It is a very linear story. So like one scene goes to the next scene and the scenes can play out a little bit differently depending on what your actions are. But the cutscenes are all the same in general, you know, uh, and you're kind of led along. The, the level design is specifically done to lead the, the player down a path um, where they will trigger events within like in a certain order. And so for me, um, Yes, I agree. Like being the player, being the protagonist is very important in many games. Halo, Half-Life, etc. But to the extent that it's not important or less important, it's less important in games like The Last of Us, where I feel like there's a story that the creators of that game wanted to tell me, and I am kind of a I am occasionally a tool that they use to tell that story. That's kind of how I feel. Um does doesn't make the story any less good. But it it does make me feel different when I'm playing that game than say you know a God of War where like I feel like I have I mean even God of War is very linear but like um, God of War Ragnarok and the m- most recent one like had more open world elements where like I could decide how the story progressed in some ways and that's not really true for The Last of Us um, so yeah, I those I are my feel thoughts. like it I feel like it makes me more empathetic for the character because mm-hmm. I'm the one doing something so like. You know, if there's probably a mobile game of it, but I don't know, like Breaking Bad, uh, the video game, <laughs> there are moments in Breaking Bad where like, you know, Walter White, spoilers for Breaking Bad, broad spoilers, is not is not a good human. 
Walter White is not a, a good human. And the show uh-huh. tries to make you identify with him by justifying his descent into being a bad person. And he starts off as someone that you can maybe relate to. Um, but as a video game, I don't know if I would have needed the first season of him being a teacher who's down on his luck. It's kind of like this shortcut that I think I experience in video games or the original God of War games. Kratos in those original God of War games is not a good person. <laughs> it's just like kill, yeah. kill, 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 kill. And you just do it because you're controlling the character. And you're like, this is what I am. This is what I do. I'm playing as this role, even in a, in a linear fashion. And I, I'm curious if any of that, the weight of the story in the last of us is lost on me because I'm not, you know, in the driver's seat, so to speak, or if the characters feel more one dimensional because I'm not bringing myself into them. I don't know. This actually became a real problem. The dynamic you're describing actually became a real problem for me in the last of us part two, Christian, um, hmm. which is a, a video game. I did not like. Um, and I think one of my main issues is like the game is forcing you to be one, one of the characters taking actions that I strongly disagreed with for like over 10 hours. You know, I'm like, I'm like, if I was this character, I would not even be here. Like, why are you even doing this? You know, like, and so that's the flip side of it. Christian is like, it can actually destroy immersion in some ways, because if it, if it wasn't someone I was controlling, I might be more under, if it was like someone on screen, I'd be like, okay, well, I can't relate with that, but like, I can understand why someone might be in that situation, but like the game is forcing me to play as them. And that can be a harder pill to swallow than watching them. So no, Dave, so we've all listened to the white. We've all listened to the White Lotus episodes. We know that you'd be in it. You're there day day in day out. You'd never leave. You'd do exactly what those <laughs> characters we do. Yeah. You know your type. You can't you can't work against type. It's too late. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. You crave conflict. You crave awkward situations. You'd make yeah. all those same decisions at the. <laughs> I think I think it'll be interesting, right? Like, will I, I'm going to put out there, Christian? I agree. I, you you put very beautifully, like how powerful it is to be controlling the character but i'm gonna put out there that um when we get to those powerful scenes in the last of us tv show uh you're not even gonna miss the controller that's what i'm gonna say you know and maybe i'll be wrong and you'll be like man david it was so much more impactful when i had to press x for that to happen um (laughs) but i don't think so i think pedro pascal is gonna make it work so we'll see we'll see um but anyway those are some some topics that we uh wanted to discuss in advance of the last of us season one coming out now i do just want to mention that in terms of coverage uh we are releasing this preview episode usually i would do the preview episode like the week of the show coming out or like one week before but it is going to be another month until the show comes out um it is unlikely that Christian and I will record again before then, but it's possible. Like if there's some big announcement or something that we feel like we should talk about, uh, then we might hop on and do like a quick little bonus episode, but you should expect our coverage to begin in earnest, uh, after the show premieres on January 15th. Uh, and you should expect episodes to be delivered into your feed at podcast.decodingtv.com within 48 hours of when the first, uh, episodes premiere. And I say episodes because I'm not sure at this point, as we're recording this, I'm not sure if it's going to be one or two episodes that they release uh, during the premiere night. Premiere night. Um, we don't know yet. So I, I assume we'll find that out soon. But like whenever the premiere is, we're going to cover that episode or episodes uh, within 48 hours uh, at podcast.decodingtv.com. So before we go, Christian, you want to let people know where they can find more of your work on the internet this week? 
Sure. The best place right now is over at my website, which is just christianspicer.com. I've started uh, microblogging over there as well. It all pushes out over to Twitter, which is just at Spicer. Um, I'm not super active there, but you can find links there as well. And then if you want more video game stuff, as we mentioned, I host co-host the video game podcast DLC. Um, I hosted the video game podcast, the official The Last of Us podcast, which is a deep dive look into the games with the people who made them. And then I write a video game newsletter where I write conversationally long form video game stuff at uh, tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. All right. And you can find more of Decoding TV online at Decoding TV on YouTube, TikTok, Twitter and Instagram. Christian, thanks so much for joining me for this journey. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm very excited for January 15th. So am I. And thank you, listener, for tuning in to this preview episode of The Last of Us Season 1. We'll see you in January. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 